United Church over the past few weeks, you know that throughout the summer months, uh, Pastor Kathy and I have been preaching a series of sermons on the classic call stories from the Old Testament. And I turn to yet another one of those classic call stories today, the story of God calling King David. Let us pray. Wise and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you today and always. Amen. Whenever I hear the story from 1 Samuel that Pastor Kathy read for us just a few moments ago, the story of God calling David, the young boy, to go on to greatness, I cannot help but liken it to the story of the 1984 NBA draft. Remember the 1984 NBA draft when, yes, two National Basketball Association teams, the Houston Rockets and the Portland Trailblazers, both passed up on Michael Jordan, who was drafted that year third. You'll recall that Michael Jordan went on to win six different NBA championships, and according to the scouting departments of both teams, he was deemed to be, yes, too short. In an interview with the scouting director of the Portland Trailblazers at the time, who recalled that being one of the worst decisions that he had ever made, or perhaps even the worst decision in the history of scouting in NBA basketball, he said, I've got to tell you, as we sat around that coffee table and discussed who we were going to draft, we were all wrapped up in physical appearances. Jordan was just too small and just didn't have the appearance of the person we wanted to go on and help our franchise. You ever done that? You ever judged someone on the basis of an external appearance and it didn't turn out very well? If so, I'll bet that you can empathize with Samuel. Walk back with me into the scripture passage today. You'll recall that once upon a time, God asked Samuel to go forth and draft, if you will, the next king of Israel. We're told that it was going to be one of Jesse's sons, and so Samuel travels to Bethlehem and meets up with Jesse. And in their conversation uh, together, uh, they speak about the next uh, king of Israel, and Jesse's sons are paraded forth in front of Samuel, uh, the first of which Eliab was tall and handsome, and surely he would be the guy who uh, would be chosen, uh, but not before God intervenes. And says back to Samuel, you know, you all, mankind, you, often get wrapped up in outward appearances, but I, the Lord, look to the heart. And of course, it was not any one of those boys who would be chosen to be the next king of Israel. It was the youngest of them all, the one who was out tending to the sheep. We're told that David then came in, and though he was very, very young, and did not have the outward appearance of the others, it would be David who would be selected to be the next king of Israel. We've all chosen well, and we've all chosen not so well. 
Perhaps you can remember a time over the course of your life when you didn't choose well. Perhaps uh, you were in a business and two people applied for the job and you chose the other and then you followed the one who you didn't choose throughout their career. And it was because of their appearance or age you didn't choose that person. And 10, 20 years went by and you said, boy, I really should have made the other choice. Or perhaps you were on a school board or a church board or a board of a nonprofit organization and you chose one person to lead it and they had the outward appearance that was just right, flattered in public, maybe was a great speaker, uh, appeared to fit the will, but it just didn't work out. And you said, I could have, would have, should have chosen that other person. We've all been there with Samuel, got caught up in outward appearances. And meanwhile, our faith teaches us that really and truly we ought to look at the heart of others. Friends, as I rehear this story of the draft of King David, I hear for all of us in putting this text into conversation with our own lives, some good news and a challenge. The good news is this, when God looks at you, and when God looks at me, God sees what's in our hearts. The reason why this is such good news, if you're as ugly as I am, is that from time to time, really and truly, you get caught up in external appearances. Because of Hollywood, television, and social media, you often say to yourself, you know, my identity, my value, boils down to how I look. And if you don't believe that this truth in 1 Samuel is true, that man looks at outward appearances and the Lord looks at a heart, just survey for a moment some of the research that is out there. This is very interesting. In a nationwide survey some years ago of women in their 50s, the survey was conducted by Cosmopolitan Magazine, 51% of women in America would sacrifice one year of their life for the perfect figure. And this is not to let men off the hook. Some years back, the National Alliance for Men's Health did a research survey, and they discovered that 42% of men in America who were under six feet tall would give up one year of their life to be six feet. How ridiculous this must seem to God. For when it came time for God to draft the most important player in the history of Israel, God did not get caught up in height or outward appearance. And the good news really and truly is that the same God who chose King David to be king, the same God looks at all of us with those eyes today and says, I choose you. I look beyond externals and I look to your heart. Or let me put it another way. This week, upcoming, as some of you read in the church newsletter, I'm experiencing one of those humbling birthdays. A humbling birthday over the course of our lives is any birthday that ends in a zero. And you all know what I'm talking about. And on Tuesday of this week, yes, I turned 40. And the staff have been laughing and joking with me about the pictures of when I first came to United Church. I had less gray hair and all the gray hair I have now. And sometimes I have to remind myself that when I look in the mirror, that God doesn't look at what I look at. Rather, God looks into my heart. If you came to worship this morning concerned about your health or about your hair or about your physical appearance, and you looked in the mirror today and said, gosh, 
You know, I just don't know. Remember that God doesn't look at what you look at. God's eyes are not fixated on outward appearances related to our age or related to how we may feel today physically. Rather, our good God in heaven looks deeply into our hearts and says, I love you, I call you, you are worthy, you are valuable to me. That is the good news of this text. God looks at you and I, and when God does, God looks into our hearts. But here is what I sense the challenge of this text is. The challenge of this text is that when you and I are living our everyday lives, our call as God's people is to look not at the outward appearances of others, but rather to look inwardly, to look into the hearts of those in whom we come in contact. Later this week on Wednesday, we're going to be discussing a book entitled Resident Aliens by Stanley Hauerwas and Will Willeman. And one of the theological principles that they put forth in that book is that Christian ethics or the Christian life does not begin with a desire to do what God wants us to do. Rather, it starts, it begins with God wanting us to see as God sees. And the reason why I think that this reminder to see as God sees is just so timely and relevant and important right now is because part of what this coronavirus pandemic has done, in my opinion, is that it has magnified for each one of us outward appearances. So, uh, for example, we read in the Marco Eagle twice a week the statistics about those who have the coronavirus. And we all know that the coronavirus has hit differently different races and ethnicities. And so as we live our lives, part of what we do when we come in contact with another person is those differences are magnified and we whisper under our mask, is that person safe? Not only race and ethnicity, but geography. Remember when all the people from New York were said to be carriers? And we bump into a person from New York who, you know, she might have an Italian accent and we whisper underneath our mask, I bet she might have it. Or we bump into an older person and we say, oh, I think I remember that person. He lives in that assisted living facility up in North Naples. I think that facility was on the state of Florida list. And we whisper underneath our mask, well, I'm not talking to him. Or young people, we bump into a person and we say, oh, you know, she looks a little bit like one of those spring breakers that I saw on television. Or she's back in college now, I wonder if she's been partying. And we whisper under our mask, well, I don't know if I'm gonna go there uh, quite yet with her and talk to her. Or in the area of politics, we say that, you know, this person opened his business, so he must have this political affiliation. Or this person didn't open his business, so he must be of that political affiliation. Or this mother sent her child to school in person, so she must be of this political affiliation. Or this mother didn't send her child to school in person, so she must be of that political affiliation. And the decisions that we make about safety can sometimes be so wrapped up into politics that what we do is we begin seeing red and blue, and we whisper under our mask, well, she must be a Democrat, or he must be a Republican. 
I've seen a lot of nods from many of you. Really and truly, as we live our everyday lives through this crisis, differences are exacerbated and brought to the surface for all of us to see. Race, ethnicity, geography, old age, young age, politics. It all in this world in which we live is becoming so, so visible to each one of us. Hence the timeliness of this scripture, in my opinion. Whereas we are often tempted to look at outward appearances, our call is to see as God sees and to look deeply into the hearts of others. Mother Teresa put it this way. She said that if we're so caught up and busy judging people, we don't have enough time to love them. I remember some years ago, I was chatting with one of my colleagues in ministry who took a three-week trip over to Africa to teach uh, in a church-related uh, seminary there to other pastors. And as he was there, uh, through the help of a translator, he heard a wonderful story from a, a church pastor who was over in Africa. And the story was about how his church had received from another church, it was kind of a church pin pal situation from America, um, a box of uh, very important uh, things that their village might need as a help and a mission uh, to the village. And so the box included a little bit of food as well as some tools, other helpful items, and also 10 mirrors. Well, this pastor, in receiving these mirrors, uh, passed them out to uh, the people in his church, and it was the first time that many of them had ever seen a mirror. And they were absolutely stunned by these mirrors, and they were having fun with them at first. But then after a while, the mirrors tended to have a detrimental effect. And uh, one in the church said, you know, I don't like the way my nose looks, or my figure isn't as good as hers, or you know what, I don't really like the way I'm appearing today. I'm not sure about all this. And over time, the mirrors had such negative consequence that the minister collected them all from the church, took all 10 back, put it in a package, and attached a sticky note that was also included in the health passage to them and sent them back to the church and said, we don't need these anymore. We hope to see as God sees as we were doing previous. And said that we in the church need to retrain our eyes to look to the heart. In days and weeks ahead, as we navigate our everyday lives, that's our call, not to look at outward appearances, but to look deeply into the hearts of others with whom we might cross paths. Yes, I bet you can remember over the course of your life the times uh, that you made a decision based on outward appearance and regretted it. But I bet, too, there were other times in your life where you did see as God sees and made a decision based on the heart, and you were blessed. Speaking of hair, I remember in my life when I first met my mentor in the ministry, who was such a dynamite speaker, and I remember meeting him for the first time, and he was short and bald. And I said to myself, is this really a guy that I'm going to be listening to? But thankfully, I looked into his heart. And that was a good drafting decision. Or I remember another occasion where I was hiring here at the church and there was many great candidates and there was one who was so much younger than all of the others. 
And I thought to myself, well, surely this could be the person, but I saw something there uh, that was better and good and right and true, and it ended up being exactly the right fit. Indeed, when we look into the hearts of other people, part of what comes back to us is such blessing in our lives and in theirs. Christian writer uh, Henry Nowen tells a Hasidic parable about an innocent young man. The parable goes something like this. Once upon a time, an innocent young man was on the run from the authorities and stopped off at a village. And the villagers decided to hide this innocent young man from the authorities. And when the authorities came into the village, they said, where is the innocent young man? I want to see him. If you all do not turn over the innocent young man by the morning, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to have to take one villager one by one until you do. Well, the villagers were very upset and they went to talk to their rabbi. And they said, Rabbi, what should we do? And the rabbi opened up his scripture and he found the wisdom that it is better for one innocent man to die than for many. And so the rabbi instructed the villagers to turn over the innocent man. The innocent man was turned over uh, to the authorities and was hauled off and put to death. And the villagers were so excited that they had been spared, that they had a party that evening. But the rabbi just simply could not muster up the strength to go and stayed behind in his room because it just didn't feel right. An angel of the Lord appeared to the rabbi and said, what were you thinking in turning over that innocent man to the authorities? And the rabbi said, well, my scripture told me that if I just would rather sacrifice one innocent man rather than uh, many, then that would be a wise thing to do. And the angel reminded the rabbi that if he had only looked deeply into the heart of that man, the rabbi would have realized that that man was the Messiah. That parable hits me hard. It really does. Because I am a clergy person who makes a living preaching and teaching and reading and studying the scripture. But the parable reminds me that if I do not lift my eyes out of that scripture and look deeply into the hearts of other human beings, part of what I might miss out on is Christ himself. Many years later, after all of that story was complete, about two years later, the villagers in that same space got into an argument about the law, about the scripture. And they came to the rabbi to solve the problem. And they said, Rabbi, how is it do we know that it is dawn? It is it when we are able to tell the difference between a sheep and a dog? And the rabbi said, no. Is it when we are able to tell the difference between a tree and a vine? And the rabbi said, no. Then when, asked the villagers, are we able to tell when it is dawn. And the rabbi said, when you are able to look at one another as brothers and sisters, then you are living in the light. But if not, you are still living in darkness. Man looks at outward appearances. The Lord looks at the heart. 
And may God's people have the courage in the days and weeks ahead to do the same.